Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline's your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the pod, I'm super excited to introduce our guest. She is the 2014 Olympic champion in ice dance, Meryl Davis. Hey, Meryl. Thank you for having me, Polina. This is so fun. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Well, first question, why ice dance? You know, I know that you started skating when you were five, correct? Um, So what, what got you into ice dance as a young skater? I'm guessing you started in singles and then transferred. Mm-hmm. Well, also I do want to say it's so fun doing this with you and I so admire and respect your podcast and you have such interesting, thorough conversations. And particularly as someone who really, you know, we haven't spent a lot of time together since you were a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just really cool to see you flourishing and thriving as an adult, as a young woman. So <laughs> Bravo to you. Um, To get to your question, um, I did start out as a single skater. I grew up in Detroit, which, you know, it's pretty typical for families in the area to put their kids in figure skating. Um, I think it's more popular maybe than in other parts of the country, but um, I fell in love with it immediately. Um, I think, you know, seeing those first couple of videos of me skating as a kid, you know, it's, it's apparent. I was just in love with every aspect of skating. And as I grew older, um, older being like nine, (laughs) um, I started getting really nervous competing by myself. And, um, when I was nine, I think, yeah, I was nine when Charlie, um, for those of you who don't know my skating partner, Charlie, uh, Charlie White, his coach at the time approached my mom and myself um, and said, hey, would would Meryl be interested in trying ice dance? I had no idea what ice dance was, that it was a thing. And and so I tried out with Charlie, not really understanding what ice dance was all about. And pretty quickly, I realized that I really enjoyed skating with somebody else. I liked having you know, someone's hand to hold to sort of work throughout the day with a partner. Um, And I I continued doing singles until I was, I think, 16. Um, But ice dance definitely was where I was. um, I was I was finding a lot of joy, not just competing, but but on a daily basis. So um, I think it was really the partner dynamic getting to share in the day to day with Charlie that, um, you know, brought me over to the ice dance side mostly. It's so interesting that you say that because from an opposite perspective, I, I took ice dance testing through pre-golds, which was fun in terms of learning uh, the skills and the tight footwork you need. But I was always super uncomfortable skating with a partner. It made me really freaked out to have my skate so close to someone. Um, and I just did not have that trust no matter who I was skating with. Uh, I, I did not trust that everything was going to be okay. So it's it's funny that you say that that's the opposite experience for you. And that's why you like that stance so much. Yeah. Well, different personalities for sure. But also I can say this because I don't know who your partner was, <laughs> but you also <laughs> need the right person, right? Because that wouldn't have necessarily been the case for me um, if I hadn't found the right partner. And I am so crazy lucky that, you know, Charlie lived down the street from me and we were skating at the same rink and our parents were friends. So, um, yeah, definitely just kind of kismet and, and lucky that, um, Charlie White lived down the street. That was, that was, <laughs> I lucked out there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. 
I think your gold medals in Sochi can uh, verify that little fact. (laughs) Thank you. But you and Charlie started skating together uh, since you were children um, and stood by each other throughout your entire career to the height of it. Um, And after too, you guys are still good friends. So what can you say about that relationship and its maintenance through the years as you were growing up? Hmm. You know, there's so much there, a a lifetime, really. I mean, like you said, we started skating together when we were nine, 10, and um, we grew up together, not only on the ice, but in a lot of ways off the ice as well. For many years, we were spending more time with each other than with anyone else in our lives, you know, particularly in our teens and and 20s leading up to Sochi um, and actually post Sochi in our competitive or in our professional careers, we spent more time with each other than we did probably with our families. And so, um, you know, sometimes people will ask me, how has, you know, how have you and Charlie influenced each other or how has your, you know, skating together for so long impacted who you are as a person? And it's just so hard to say because it's just been such a core part of my life. Um, I think for us, starting at such a young age, you know, you don't really understand the idea of like um, common courtesy necessarily or respect or what does it all mean? I think we're sort of following the lead of the adults in our lives. And Charlie and I were so incredibly lucky that our parents really had a similar perspective on what they wanted for their kids. Like what what was the purpose of skating in our lives? What did they want their children to get out of the experience, you know, in sport? And so I think that our parents really set that tone for us um, and helped us understand how to relate to one another, how to respect each other. Um, And so I think Charlie and I sort of took that um, initial foundation that our our parents helped us set um, and um, grew with it for, I guess, we skated together for 17 years before our last Olympics in Sochi, which is crazy, crazy to think about. Definitely. It's, it's cool that you talk about that foundation that your parents set for you, um, because it sounds like you had a really positive training environment from the get-go uh, with that support system, both from the rinks that you guys skated in as and the coaching, as well as your family. And as we both know, family is pretty vital to skating careers. You know, it's not just you that's making a life sacrifice. Uh, it, your family does as well for everything that you do. And so um, for you guys to have been able to stay local as well. Um, and, and still experience the important, you know, values that your family set as well as training is so key to, I feel like who you guys are as adults now. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's, it's interesting just to see how parents, um, from skaters all over, you know, manage their kids' careers. Cause you, you see parents that will move everywhere with their kid, which is again, another Mm -hmm. sacrifice, but, um, it's definitely nice that you got to stay local. I got to stay local as well. So I'm, I'm super happy that I got to grow up next to my brothers, um, see my dad everywhere every day, as well as my mom. Um, and yeah, just still work hard, but come home to dinner every night. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I imagine it's such a different experience. And like you said, to be able to grow up in like the household with my younger brother and my parents, you know, through up and well through most of college actually I was going back and forth and um to have that family support and atmosphere because no matter how positive of a training environment you're in um no matter how great your experience I think in sport is and I like you said I'm so lucky and I think you have been as well to have a great experience and to have so much support and and so many things you know great training atmosphere um great um you know coaching the world's best coaching in my own backyard but to have my family and be around my family throughout our career um and also to grow up with the same friends like I never had to change schools I never had to sort of leave school for certain periods of time so I actually got to graduate high school with you know, the kids who are my best friends in second grade. And, and I think looking at so many, not just skaters, but athletes who, like you said, have to move to a different country to train or um, have to leave their families at a young age. I just can't imagine the sacrifice and and how much more challenging um, I think that experience really is. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, 
yeah. And so many people do it. So, so many respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you earned the silver medal in 2010 and the gold in 2014. Um, what were the biggest differences internally that you faced going to both of those competitions? Uh, I guess in terms of approach as well as your actual experience at the games. Hmm. Um, our experiences in Vancouver in 2010 and Sochi in 2014 were quite different. Um, going into Vancouver, Charlie and I had never been on the world podium before. And so while we were starting to kind of challenge for, for podiums internationally, um, we didn't have a lot of expectations in terms of placement going into Vancouver. And we were just so incredibly honored to make the team and be a part of Team USA that going in, the goal was to embrace the experience, you know, of course, make our country proud and, and make our families and friends proud. But, um, you know, thinking about Vancouver for us, it was as much about the experience off the ice as it was on, you know, going to the opening ceremonies, um, supporting our teammates in other sports, getting to meet people in the cafeteria and just soak up the Olympic experience as a whole, um, because that's really where we were in our careers. And um, I think, you know, it was just like so few things in life, you know, particularly when you're a dreamer, live up to expectation. Um, mm -hmm. You can build these things up in your head, especially if you have this dream of being an Olympian since you're a child. And for me, um, Vancouver just exceeded all of those expectations, like what it was like to be an Olympian. But I think the challenge of getting an Olympic silver medal is then when we committed to another four years, it felt like the only way to make that time mean something at the time was to take a step up on the podium and and the only way to do that was to win Olympic gold which is a very lofty goal and a, a lot of pressure <laughs> and we felt that for four years and um, I think going into Sochi our focus was less on embracing the experience and just really honing in on the task at hand which was executing exactly what we needed to on the ice so while Vancouver was just you know, being, being a part of Team USA and enjoying um, Sochi was really, we felt like we just had a job to do. Um, and I think I'm so grateful that we had those two experiences because I think that our focus and our approach to Sochi um, would have left me really wanting more in terms of embracing the Olympic experience had we not gotten to do that in Vancouver. That makes a lot of sense. And it lucked out for you guys because you did end up winning. Um, but what was it like to kind of have to face the same competition in terms of going against Tessa and Scott again, when they were the gold medalists in 2010, and that was exactly who you, you were going to have to go against in 2014. Yeah. Very stressful. <laughs> um, they are just to say they're talented is like, it sounds silly because it's so much more than that. Um, but it, yeah, it was incredibly stressful. Um, I think going into competition, going into um, both Vancouver and Sochi, part of the beauty of our training atmosphere is that we did train with them every day. And so it wasn't a different type of of course it is that there's a shift from practice to competing at the Olympics, undoubtedly, but um, kind of having that environment every day in practice um, and then going with our, our closest competitors um, creates a level of readiness and focus and preparation where you're not necessarily as thrown off or surprised, I think, as, as you might be if you train alone. Um, but yeah, I mean, incredibly stressful. Um, but I will say, I think particularly later in our careers, so going into Sochi, we had learned so many lessons about how we did and how we didn't want to approach competition. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, having the highs, having the lows and getting to explore every way of, of approaching the sport, of approaching competition, I think we really learned how we wanted to focus on ourselves and, and focus on um, sort of the job that we could control, the job that we had to do on the ice. Um, so yeah, just very, very interesting and, and very different experiences at both games though, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's, it's so cool. I'm so happy that I was able to watch you guys live in Sochi um, because mm-hmm. it was just, yeah, we were teammates. It was really inspiring um, to see you guys achieve that dream firsthand. Um, and I was very young and very impressionable. So it was ultra inspiring for me. Um, but yeah, you guys are also my grandmother's favorite ice dance team. That's so nice. Like, I, like she's always just raved about you guys. So when I went, when I got to go with you in Sochi, she was, she was stoked to say the least. <laughs> so cute. Well, thank you, Paulina's grandmother. That's so sweet. I love that. <laughs> well, talk us through, uh, what it was like being Olympic champion, you know, afterwards, like what, what are the things you got to do, I guess, in the year following, um, that you get when you win gold? Sure. Um, Well, it was a crazy experience. It was uh, just a total whirlwind. And um, I think it's, it's a multi, it's, it's a complicated answer because in terms of like the things you get to do and, and, you know, so many of those experiences, it's so special and it's, it's so cool. You know, we, um, of course we got to be on Dancing with the Stars. So that was a lot of fun. We got to tour the country with Stars on Ice after the games. And being introduced as Olympic champions every night in our home country was just, it, it, it just sends shivers down your spine. And it, it was just a really special way to um, get to share our love of sport, our love of, of what we did, and, and also our gratitude for the tremendous support that we received um, across the country, you know, especially during Sochi. Um, and afterwards, um, we, Charlie and I actually really made a conscious decision to focus on the work and, and the shows that we, we love and, and had the opportunity to do. So we actually ended up turning down quite a few um, invitations that were appealing, some that were um, just not a good fit for us, <laughs> you know, just funny things. But, um, you know, like we couldn't be... Um, we did end up having to turn down some really fun experiences and, and things just because we were so busy with shows, which is, was such a blessing and, and getting to travel across the world, around the world with our friends and, and performing um, was such a joy. But, you know, I think one of the coolest things um, for us immediately returning from Sochi, we went to uh, New York to do some some press and some media stuff. And Charlie and I were walking around on the streets of New York and a group of businessmen stopped and said, oh my gosh, you're the ice dancers, you know, from the Olympics. And Charlie and I just, you know, we, we smiled and we were grateful, of course, to talk to them. But I think one of the things that we just found really cool was that this group of probably not figure skating fans knew what ice dance was, you know, and that was just super cool for us to have that interaction, you know, coming home from, from the games, but it was a whirlwind in it. And I think on the flip side, the thing you realize, I think achieving that goal and and becoming an Olympic champion is the really important stuff doesn't change. You know, I, I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think as young people, as like ambitious athletes, we oftentimes think like, oh, if I could just do this thing, if I could just be national champion, then I would feel differently. Or if I could be world champion, then like all of my problems go away or, you know, I'll feel great about myself. And like, you see these people who are successful and you think, wow, like that's happiness. That's it. That's success and all the things. And I think the thing about about that achievement and, and about doing that is yes, it's awesome. And yes, it has been an amazing experience. And I'm so grateful for the way that it has, it has impacted my life and um, just what an honor, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, it really forces you to take a step back and think, what do I want? Like what's important to me? Because standing on top of an Olympic podium the thing is, at some point, you have to step off of that podium and be a real person, you know, living a happy, healthy, well-balanced life. So, um, yeah, just really a very interesting experience that I think has forced me to um, get to know myself and push myself to, um, yeah, to grow. Well said. I really liked that little thing you said where you have to step off the podium at some point. Any type of like big success that any of us achieve, whether that's something in sport or 
something in any type of career you're in, it, it only lasts for a few seconds, you know, a few minutes, it's the whole 15 minutes of fame thing. Um, and then you kind of have to keep going. Um, and so I think one of the biggest problems that athletes face, especially at the Olympics, you know, we all talk about the low of coming home, you know, it's over what happens now. Um, so yeah, I guess my question for you would be now, like you guys retired after those games. So how is that transition for you long-term? Cause I bet, you know, during the first year you're doing a lot of shows, you're still riding off the wave of the Olympics and all the buzz, but life goes on, you know, in four years, there's another Olympics, there's a new champion. Um, so how was it, how was dealing with that for you as a person and, and kind of how did you feel about retirement? Um, it was incredibly challenging. Um, and I'm, I'm so, I mean, I'm just so lucky to have just the most amazing support system and family. And, and I've gotten to really talk about that experience with other athletes over the years, um, both in terms of me seeking um, camaraderie and also trying to provide that for other people I know are going through the same challenges and experience um, experiences. I think, you know, something that I definitely experienced was there's this idea, like this question of what do you want to be when you grow up? And for most people, there's a sort of exploration of that through high school, through college, and they are sort of figuring that out. And, and that question of what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, of course, we all have, we can all revisit that at any point in life, which is um, a wonderful thing. But I think part of what is very different about leaning into a career that you begin at five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> is that this notion of like, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of gets shelved. Um, you know, I decided in middle school after reading National Geographic magazine religiously that I was someday going to work for National Geographic, right? <laughs> and so that whenever anyone would say like, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you're done skating? I was always like, yeah, I want to work for National Geographic. And that was my, that was my answer for a very long time. It was not updated you know, after middle school, because I was focusing on skating and I got my, you know, I was working on my degree in anthropology and it just was like, that's a later thing. That's like a mm -hmm. future me problem. Right. And then all of a sudden, um, like we said earlier, you know, you step off the Olympic podium and you're like, Oh, like that future me problem is like a now me thing. <laughs> I have to figure yeah. out not just like my path, but what excites me in the same way that I've been inspired by skating and the multifaceted sport, you know, that I've been, that I've loved my whole life. And it was incredibly challenging. Um, but at the same time, I made the conscious decision to give myself time to figure out what that was. What do I love? What, you know, I think the thing that I found with skating was, even though it was a lot of hard work, I never felt like I was going to work or working. It was, mm -hmm. I got to do the thing that I would be doing for fun or for free, but I got to do that as a job, you know, competing and performing in shows. Um, and so I think, you know, being lucky enough to do, um, you know, professional shows around the world and, and embrace sort of that post-Olympic whirlwind, I just decided that I was going to really embrace the opportunity that not everybody necessarily gets to take time to explore different things, try different things and figure out what was going to sort of like light my soul on fire. So um, the short answer, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite long-winded as I know you probably already know, Paulina. Um, no worries, keep it going. <laughs> is Yeah, the short answer is it, it was hard, you know, and, um, but I think the longer answer is, you know, like I've been saying, it, while it was incredibly challenging, I also recognized how lucky I was to, um, to be working in the sport that I love, to be touring, to be doing shows, you know, and around the world with my friends and, and um, performing for audiences while I had, while I gave myself time to figure it out. Um, so yeah, it's, it was an interesting experience and it's, I think it's really only 
I don't know, in the last three, four, maybe three years that I feel like me, I feel like a person who isn't just like not on the ice presently, if that makes sense. Like for a very long time, I felt like the life that I was living was like sort of a divertisement from my training regimen, preparing for the Olympics. Like that wasn't my real life. Um, And so it took me a very long time to sort of acclimate to life post um, Olympic whirlwind for sure. Also funny that you say that because I feel like at least in terms of my retirement experience, um, it's, it's definitely hard to separate yourself from that training regimen life that you grow up on. Um, and it, it feels kind of like a safety net, honestly, because you don't have to think about the future yet. You're putting the future career on hold because this is your focus right now. Um, and so I think that was kind of the scariest part of accepting that it was time to retire for me as I don't know, a 21 year old. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What a crazy concept, right? Crazy. Yeah. And I would, I would have conversations with my roommates in college who, um, you know, this was their first time outside of their homes. Um, they're, they're learning what they want their career to be and what their passion is. And they would just look at me and be like, you've already, you've already lived out one career, you know, you made it to the top of your field already. And now you're starting the next one. Like we're going to work our whole lives to hopefully get to where you got in skating. And even that's, you know, a slim chance. And and that was the first time I kind of realized that that's what skating was for me um, and that there was still so much to discover. And so it was, it was after that, that I started to feel like, yeah, skating, skating is amazing. And I love it. And I, I love all the opportunities that I get and can still get from mm-hmm. skating. But uh, the, the safety net started to be a lot more real for me in terms of not quite committing to a career outside of that until I officially retired. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you more about that experience once you decided to step away yeah, from, sure. from competition. Was First off, was the decision hard for you? And, and second, mm-hmm. more about that transition, because from the outside, um, you know, it seems like you just like had this amazing career in skating and then you really embraced being in college and having like a relatively normal, I mean, what is normal, but like a yeah. <laughs> collegiate experience, were there any, like, what was, what was the hardest part for you? I know you mentioned the safety net, but was that transition um, as smooth as, you know, I, I think with social media, oftentimes looking from the outside in, everything looks perfect, right? You know, yeah, but what was that course. experience like for you? Yeah, uh, it, it was incredibly hard. Um, I definitely had a great time in college and it was really helpful that, uh, at the time that I got to experience and explore everything socially in college, I was injured. So I wasn't in full training for a lot of that time. Um, and so I actually, I gave up a lot of the fun stuff that I was doing towards the end of my college experience because I was really committed to making the comeback in skating and everything. I mean, I had that support from my housemates and my roommates and everybody um, at school who had nothing to do with skating, but knew how I wanted, I wanted to get back in the skating bubble. Um, So when I got, I came to the point through mixed reasons for both just my body, not being able to handle it as well as the pandemic and everything. um, It was, it was hard for me to really give it up because I felt like there was a lot of expectation on myself, mostly from myself. Um, I realized that the people around me didn't care if I continued or not because they were Mm -hmm. already so proud of my career. Um, but I felt like there was always still more that I could have done in terms of, you know, meddling and getting titles and stuff. But at some point, uh, it was actually a conversation with my parents. My dad said, you know, if you're only thinking about the highs of the what ifs a year from now, two years from now, it's not worth it. Uh, because you mm-hmm. have to enjoy the entire journey. Like if you're not oh. going to come into the rink and love it every single day, even though it's hard, you're just going to be miserable. Um, and that, that really sat with me. I started to realize, you know, this was, this was great for me when I was in elementary and high school. Um, but at this point in life, like there's being older, it's, it's harder. You know, my body feels every little micro injury. It's not like when I was younger. And so I kind of just had to weigh it all out and, um, it was a really emotional decision, but through talking it out with 
a lot of close family friends, uh, I realized that I had a lot more pros for discovering my new life (laughs) than staying and skating. Well, I mean, that's first off, I, that's so amazing that you have that relationship with your parents and that your parents also have the insight to be able to help guide you through that, you know, and, and think through, you know, this is, this is what you're thinking, you know, this is the motivation, but, but think about how that ties into, you know, your, your future state. Like, what does it really mean? And actually, Mm -hmm. interestingly, my dad had a similar conversation with me in 2012. Um, Maybe, yeah, 2012, I started developing migraines just with like the extreme stress, um, sort of just ahead of probably that midpoint between Vancouver and Sochi. And all of a sudden I was, you know, taking showers going like this and my hair was falling out in like massive clumps. And my dad sat me down and he's like, you don't have to do this. Like, we just want to make sure, you know, you could quit tomorrow. You could have quit you know, day two of of trying skating and we already would be so proud of you. And what a, what an experience, you know, we've had not just, you know, myself, but like as a family, um, you know, skating has been such a great part of our lives. And he was like, we aren't going to love you any less. We aren't going to be any less proud of you. If you said, you know what, I think I'm good. And for me, um, you know, obviously I was, um, like, I think it just was this really, while I knew all of that, to have my dad sit me down and talk me through it, it was just this really freeing sort of, I, it helped me make the conscious decision. I am doing this because it's something I want to do, not because it's something I have to do. And I, mm-hmm. it really helped me to transition sort of into that second half of that um, Olympic cycle leaning in, into Sochi to think, you know, this is not a must, this is a want to. And, and to be reminded of that, you know, at that point was really valuable. So I'm, I'm just so, I'm so glad. And it's just so cool to hear that you, you know, had a, that similar support with your family. Yeah. I think it's honestly so key in terms of having that healthy, uh, transition from dedicating so many of your, your years to any career like that, you know, whether a kid's doing that in music or, theater or a different sport. Um, there's always going to be expectation and like weight that you carry from your family because of the sacrifice that they give you throughout all those years. But, um, yeah, I think if my parents hadn't had that conversation with me, it would have been a lot harder for me to make a decision like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so they kind of opened the door for me and then it, it really did become my personal sole decision to walk through or not. And I decided Mm -hmm. to just, spread my wings and fly away. <laughs> I love that. And you, I'm sure yeah. you, you are continuing to spread your wings. And I just think that's so cool. And I, and I also think, yeah. um, I think oftentimes growing up in sport or growing up in a sort of like a niche community, there's a very specific idea of what success is. And I think as we get older, especially if we have that kind of like healthy support from family and friends, you realize that it's okay for your idea of success to change and to shift. Like it doesn't have to be that one thing, you know, that you decided, you know, what five, six, seven was your dream or was your goal. Um, And so I think part of like, what I think what we've been talking about is part of the beauty of having that support system is those people can help you shift your sort of idea of like, where is it that I'm trying to go and why am I, why am I trying to go there? You know, is this, is this still where I need to be? So I think it's important to have those conversations too. It is. Uh, and I, I think, in, especially in the shaping of a young person, you know, they're going to grow into an adult that takes every experience, um, that they grew up with as who they want to be as adults in the professional world. Um, so, I definitely feel very fortunate that my parents did prioritize something like education for me because that kind of gave me um, different experiences to to latch onto in the midst of my injury with skating, which could have been, you know, a huge depressive downfall for me if I had not had that to turn to. Um, and, and likewise, you know, from leaving skating, being able to think about my experiences and how to apply them in my professional career and how to 
stay involved in skating in a way that didn't hurt my body by staying competitive. Um, that was like a really freeing moment for me too, because I think the part I struggled most with during retirement was feeling like I was officially stepping away. Uh, but really it just meant I was, I was shutting the window to the pain and the tears and the sacrifice of competition, but all of the other great things that I love about skating, the community, working with kids, like sharing my experiences, performing in shows, those are all still open. And there's, there's so much more to do on that front if I want to. Um, so, yeah. Well, I also think it's really cool. Like you have this platform to be able to talk about those decisions and that experience and, you know, spark, you know, the idea in, in future generations that you can listen to your body. You can show yourself that respect and sort of, and self-love and, and sort of be in tune with your changing world and your, your changing self and, and what works for you. So I think that's really cool. Not just that you went through that experience and, and showed yourself enough respect to make the decision that was right for you. Um, you know, because I think so often our identities are tied to, I am a skater, I am a competitive figure skater. And so to make that decision, I think requires a lot of, um, it requires a lot of thought and it requires, I think, a lot of self-respect. So to be, to talk about that and, and share that experience with young people, I think it's great that you're doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Love the podcast. Cause I'm connected again in the, in the skating bubble <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in a non-stressful way. <laughs> yes. A lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, so what have you found that you're passionate about now, um, outside of skating or within skating, uh, what are you up to these days? Yeah, I, um, well, I finally graduated from college two years ago. Ooh, so congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so that was a really long haul. I started university in 2006 and just very slowly chipped away until 2020. So, um, you know, it, it was a long haul, but finally getting that done felt, felt great. Um, checking that off the list. Um, and I think it was, it was really fun to feel like I was accomplishing something, you know, even if it's, you know, it's not a PhD or anything like that, but um, completely unrelated to skating. Yeah. Um, it was, it was something that was really important to me. And, um, and then I actually kind of like at the beginning of COVID, I mean, I, we, we talked a little bit for me, it was really difficult to figure out what it was I wanted to do. I tried things that I thought I would be interested in that I didn't really enjoy so much um, following the games and the years following the games. And at the beginning of COVID, I was sort of just writing for fun, um, you know, sitting alone in my apartment, you know, more time at home, more time for like not traveling and working than I had had probably since I was ever. And um, I sort of realized oddly that it took me so long to figure this out. I was like, I really, really like writing a lot. And I've always liked writing a lot. I've always loved it. And I just never, outside of my dream of working for Nat Geo someday, um, when I was younger, I just never really considered um, being a writer as a, a career. And so um, I decided to submit my work to a couple small publishing houses um, in the summer and fall of 2020, um, ended up working with a great publishing house on a piece that I had written and published my first children's book um, last spring. So spring of 2021, which was just like such a fun, incredible experience. And kind of like you said about the podcast, like it, it was really fun to embrace a new challenge and um, new chapter in a, like a, a way that didn't feel stressful. Um, mm -hmm. and that was, for me, that was like writing the children's book was just like a, it was such a positive experience. And, um, so I'm now working on a couple of other pieces. Um, I'm actually working with a writing coach. Um, I work with her regularly to try to build a new skill, <laughs> to try to build a new, um, skill set and, and see sort of where that chapter takes me. But, um, you know, I, I really am, I can't say enough just how grateful I am that, you know, Charlie and myself, like our career as professional figure skaters following our competitive careers have allowed me to really take the time to figure out, um, what it is that, that I want to do. So right now I'm leaning into writing. Um, I have a couple of business endeavors that I'm working on here in LA, 
um, that are fun, but I, you know, I'm like, I like keeping some stuff to myself as well. Yeah. I think, um, you know, not that I am famous by any means, but I think growing up in a sport where, um, you know, uh, performance is such an important aspect of it. It's a judge sport. We're very aware that other people's opinions mean something, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it becomes very difficult to, um, to take your path without taking how other people will perceive things or other people's opinions into account. And so I think for me, one thing, you know, stepping away from um, skating for some, for some time, I realized that there's a lot of beauty to being able to do things without having to worry about like, what do, what are other people going to think about this? And to just be a person without taking, um, you know, um, judgment or like other people's opinions into consideration regularly, like there's really something to that. It's really nice. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of enjoying dabbling in writing, um, doing some, some business things some fun business things here in LA and, um, taking some, taking some writing classes. So, yeah. And I, I also have really enjoyed working with the Olympic channel. Um, I've been working with them for, I think four years now and like you having an opportunity to stay involved in skating in a different capacity, um, you know, not to put words in your mouth because you didn't say this exactly, but it's kind of helped me to fall in love with skating again in a different way and to get Mm -hmm. to tell people stories and and talk about like the athletes as people, what are their interests? Who are they? What motivates them on and off the ice is, is something that I've really been enjoying as well. I completely agree. I think particularly this past season with me trying to cover a lot on my podcast, um, in terms of the competition and everything, it's been really nice getting back into the groove of consistently watching skating and learning about all of the skaters, because I definitely had a hiatus point from the time I retired to, I guess the last year or two where I just didn't watch skating. I kept up, you know, I knew who our U S skaters were, but I wasn't quite uh, as familiar with the rest of the world and skating and everything. So it's been nice to kind of come back in and appreciate the changes um, and skating in terms of like the landscape scape of competitors, as well as the differences in judging and stuff now versus eight years ago in Sochi. It's already been eight years. It's hard <sighs> to believe time. Crazy. I mean, it's time does not exist. There is no spoon like, especially <laughs> during, I feel like, especially during COVID. Um, I actually, I went to an event this past weekend with um, figure skating in Detroit, which is the first branch of figure skating in Harlem. And I work very closely with them. And um, it was, it's funny because I'm on Zooms weekly, sometimes a couple times a week with, you know, the team. And at this event that I went to this past weekend, I realized that it was the first time I was meeting a lot of these people in person that I've been working with a couple times a week for the last two years. And so it's like, it's, it's very COVID and, and the pandemic has, has really permeated in our lives. And I, I think in a lot of different ways and um, yes, time, time, strange concept. <laughs> very, that it's been, it was funny uh, when I first started coming into skate in San Francisco and I was seeing Jeremy on a regular basis. He, at some point asked me, he's like, Plina, how how old are you now? I'm like, I'm about to turn 24, you know, not 15 anymore, essentially. And he was like, this is so crazy. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's been eight years. It makes sense. I didn't just stay 15 forever, but yeah, it's, it's nuts for sure. It's nuts. Yeah. Time warp. And I I said this to you when I saw you at Champs Camp, um, because we saw each other at Champs Camp in August, of, I guess it was 2021. Yeah. It was the first time I'd seen you in person in a while. I was like, oh my goodness, you're an adult, Paulina. When did that happen? But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, as I said, sort of at the beginning, it's just so cool to see you flourishing. And as you said, like spreading your wings and, and just becoming just like a very cool part of the skating community and using your experience um, in a positive way with your podcast and beyond. So 
yeah, as someone who knew you when you were 15, it's just really, it's so cool to watch you grow into, you know, a thriving adult. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's definitely been one of my favorite parts of this part of my life now is just interacting with everyone I knew back then and um, them knowing me as, you know, new adult Paulina and uh, yeah, like feeling like I'm really seen right now, just as much as I was when I was skating, because, you know, that's definitely one of the challenges that we face is that you don't, you don't want to get left behind, but also you don't want to only be known for that version of you. Cause you know, we're always going to grow and develop. Um, so it's, it's nice to be involved in this way now, but yeah. Well, my last question for you, Meryl is, um, for everyone listening, what is your favorite life lesson from skating that you've learned? Mm. Ooh, that's a tough question. (laughs) Not only because I learned so much through participation in sport, but you know, like you, I've been doing it since I was five. And so any life lesson that I've learned since I was five, it feels as though it's like somehow intertwined in skating. Um, I think, I think, um, one of, one of the lessons, one of the many, and I'm just going to pick this one for now. I don't know if it's necessarily like the lesson is taking up space. Um, you know, I think both literally on the ice, taking your time, taking your space on the ice, but then figuratively as well, I think having that understanding of like, you deserve respect, you deserve, um, you know, to be treated well, you deserve your opportunity to um, create the life of your dreams. And I think in that way, especially, you know, post-competition, I've, I've really been sort of thinking about the world of sport, you know, particularly as it pertains to young girls and young women. And I think, it's so important um, that we encourage them to advocate for themselves um, and learn to speak up for themselves and and understand boundaries and and understand that um, it is okay to say no, it's okay to advocate for yourself. It's okay to um, not be uh, a people pleaser all the time. Um, And I think that that's something um, that I have really had to work on. Um, I am predisposed to being a yes person, to being a, a people pleaser. And, and I think that that is a lesson that um, I continue to try to learn, to try to implement, um, you know, as I grow um, that, that started early on in my skating career as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think just understanding how to advocate for yourself and, and, and take up space and, and embrace um, you know, that self-respect is something that is a lesson that I think we as adults have to keep trying to learn and, and implementing into our lives as we go. I'm trying to think like, what, what, uh, what is my, if I had one lesson, um, that was good. Is it, was it okay? Yeah. I mean, from what I can connect and relate to that would just be like, in terms of taking space, uh, like stepping, stepping into your space and knowing Mm -hmm. that you have the same right as everyone else, you have the same voice, you know, that everyone else can have and and you should use it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's something that I felt definitely during my career. Uh, And I was very vocal (laughs) with my coaches, with, you know, the judges that I would talk to, you know, the media, all that stuff. And that's a personal choice um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, was implemented throughout from my family and stuff, but, uh, I, I think it's really important to be confident in who you are and not be afraid to take the steps forward, uh, to earn your place at the end of the day and not be afraid of that. Sure. I think one thing I would say along those lines as well is, um, for me, the thing that I always told myself when the pressure of skating felt like it was getting too much or whether it was pre-Olympics or whatever it was, the way that I would sort of help myself uh, navigate the anxiety or navigate the insecurity, whatever it was, was I would just remind myself that no matter what happened, like if it, if it went well, if I fell on my face, if it was a huge disaster, um, nothing 
that really mattered to me would change. Um, you know, my family wouldn't love me any differently. Like you, you talked about your friends earlier who were, you know, not a part of the skating world. And I think that was a lesson I learned definitely in skating. It felt like the stakes were really high. It felt like, you know, success or what I was doing really mattered to um, this, this certain degree. And to at that stage and in that chapter of my life, really try to embrace this reminder that like the things that really matter, like my family and, and the people who love me, um, it wasn't impacted by success or perceived failure is a lesson that I really hope to continue taking into the next mm -hmm. chapters of my life as well. Um, because I think we live in such a high pressure um, world these days, fast paced, um, and yet I think it's important to slow down and remember, you know, how, like, really what we need, I think, in terms of going after those goals and whatever it is, it doesn't really change the stuff that matters most. So I think that's, no. that's an important thing to remember as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree to that. I think that's also one of the reasons that um, I felt comfortable and safe enough to retire at the end of the day was I felt like I had formed such a tight knit community in terms of friends in adulthood, as well as relationships with family that didn't feel impacted by skating. Uh, and th those relationships that were made were formed solely by me as a person without skating in the dynamic or the results from skating in the dynamic. And I think once you can feel satisfied with that, mm -hmm. um, the rest of it, just, it doesn't matter. Totally yeah. Agree. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Meryl. That was such a great conversation. Lots of insight, lots of deep talks. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And like I said, I just, I think it's so cool that you're doing this. Um, I've listened to, I haven't caught every episode, but I've listened to a couple of your episodes and <laughs> you're very insightful. You're very thoughtful. You have a great uh, broadcasting a great speaking voice, Paulina. <laughs> and um, it's just really cool to see you using your experience in, in such a positive way and, and impacting the way that the next generation of, of skaters and beyond think about who they are, not just as athletes, but as people too. So I commend you on that. And I can't wait to continue being a listener of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Paulina. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.